Hi, for those of you who are watching online, and some of you may, all of you in here know, know me, hopefully, by now. <laughs> I'm Thomas Varghese. I'm be speaking today. I am serve as a pastor and elder at New Life Church. And it's good to see faces again, even though we're spread out just a little bit. And if you're at home <clears throat> in your pajamas watching, I know some of you have gotten used to it. Well, have fun. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to the presence of the Lord. And, uh, and reminding us. Hallelujah. I've gotten so electronified. I know that's not a word. I'm just making it up. That <clears throat> what I did on my computer yesterday with a huge screen and notes and stuff is all in here. Who would, I ever make, who would I ever thunk, right, as they say? Well, today, um, the message is going to be a little bit hard for some and a little bit okay for some, and there'll be a few in between. Um, you know, when we go through times like these, um, we are forced to evaluate what is important in our life, right? Because so many things that we took for granted or take for granted, are not available to us anymore. Even the simple aspect of fellowship, I realized how much I miss meeting and hugging my peeps. I mean, come on. You know, human beings need that tactile interaction. That's what we're geared for. And, uh, you know, here we are in a situation where the very thing that makes us human is uh, deprived of us to some extent. And this whole idea, you know, of, of uh, I know we got to do it. I'm sick of hearing it every day. And uh, sick of having to, you know, do. But, you know, it is what it is. But what it does force us to do is to think about the things that are meaningful. Is what has value. Uh, one of the things that has happened is I, as when this first started up in March or April, I told my wife that I said, I knew all these people lived in my neighborhood, but I never believed it. Till the stay-at-home orders happened. And then, man, our streets have been full of kids riding bikes, with, uh, you know, with their parents, going for walks, dogs. I mean, yeah, they cross over to the other side if they see you on the same side. But, yeah, there are. All these people are real. They live in my neighborhood, apparently. But, um, uh, you know, one of the things that has forced people to do also is, uh, you know, uh, spend more time with people at home. Now, in some parts of the world, that's turned out for not so good. Apparently, divorce rates in China are going up because all these people are used to staying out, out and working every day, and they come home. Now they get stuck together all day long and getting into fights, apparently. Not just there. And I'll make a very bad joke. I say in Hollywood that the nannies have all been fired, and the actors and actresses are finding out the names of all their kids, finally. <clears throat> So, anyway, <laughs> well, today's message is, uh, I picked the parable of the talents, because um, I felt like one of the things that we have to think about and evaluate is that, what do we have, what are we doing with it? And in this kind of a compressed life that we're living right now, we have to think about that. What is of real value to us? You know, what do we have? What has God given us? What are we doing with that? You know, and uh, someone asked me before the beginning of the service if I had a title for this. I thought of calling it Christians Got Talent, but, you know, <laughs> it's bad, I know. Well, I'm just going to read this passage. It's a little long, but we need to hear what the Word of the Lord saying. So Jesus, you know, he took, apparently we're good at... Uh, that better be Jesus calling. All right. Um, apparently, you know, we, we have a penchant for understanding things better if they're told to us in stories. You ever notice that? That's one of the easiest ways you can make kids understand a story. You give an example. It's like this. And, you know, so we have so many kids' books written to explain things. And, and Jesus was very good at making this because <clears throat> he knew, like, the really complicated Overly sophisticated, philosophically trained people would it would go over their heads, but people who needed to know what he was talking about would get it right away. 
And that's, you know, he mentions that. He says, do you not understand what this means? You know, he was asking some people. So uh, let me just read this. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 21, I believe. And I have the wrong translation up. But I don't know how to fix that, so I'm just going to read it. I had the original as NIV, but <clears throat> it did it to me. Electronics. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Then he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the house, master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had two talents came forward and saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant in the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So <clears throat> it's pretty obvious what's, you know, what's going on here. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? What we, what we just heard. One of the things that I realize is that Christians in their effort, I'm trying to find the right words to say this, sometimes we use grace as an excuse to escape responsibilities that have given to us. It says, I know I'm weak, I'm, you know, I'm like this, I'm like that, you know, and God will forgive me, and, you know, I've not, I've done a sloppy job or something just because, you know. I just didn't have the time or whatever it was, the excuse is. And God has all of his children, he has given them something. So in this, I want you to just use this word talent as a generic translation for whatever he has given you. Whether it's a gift, whether it's a resource, whether it's a talent like literally you can sing or preach or draw or create stuff with your hands. Or maybe you're an excellent businessman, you can create money out of sticks on the ground. I mean, some people are that way. They're talented in doing those things. And so all of us, God, according, to, it says the master should give each one according to his ability. So he knows where you are in life. And what he does, he gives us something to do or something that we have that we can use for our own good and for the benefit of the master. <clears throat> okay? It's not just for us. So whatever God gives us, that's his, benefits us also. So I want you to think about what you have, all right? The size or the nature of the gift is irrelevant. All right? What do we do with what is entrusted to us? So this is one of the things that I find during the years of church ministry, I find, well, when we try to gather people in to help with stuff, they say, well, man, I'm not a speaker. You know, I'm not a, you know, I can't sing worth a lick. You know, I can't. That's fine. That's not the gift that the Lord has given you. What, that, what has he given you? So you want to know an interesting fact that 
for the most part, uh, the churches in America, about 12 to 20% of the people do almost all the work in the church. The rest of the members, if there are 100 people in a church, there'll be about a group, a quarter of them at the most, will put their hands to it. <clears throat> this is the average statistic, all right? The rest are spectator sports. Because we have this feeling, well, you know, I've made money. I can put my tithe in the offering. You know, Christmas blessings enough to missionaries. I've done my job. It's over. It's not over. Now, I will gladly and proudly say that that statistic does not apply to our church. Where people who are invested, uh, where people who continue to spend time sometimes at great sacrifice to themselves, their family, and, and that's great. <clears throat> so, that's good for us. But what happens is that the kingdom of God suffers, generally speaking, because people are not utilizing what God has given them in the service of the kingdom. What does Scripture tell us about gifts? That the gifts of the Lord are given for what? The edification of the body. So whether it's speaking in tongues, whether it's preaching, whether it's healing, whether it's evangelism, whether it's singing, it's not ours to have just so we can get fat on it. <clears throat> and there are people mentioned like that in Scripture. It says they've give the, that they've used the gifts for personal gain and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And that will happen if that's all you're concentrating on. So we're all high priests in God's kingdom, right? According to the New Covenant. The priesthood of the believer. And the priest is allowed to eat from the sacrifice. So in all the things that God gives us, it's not just so that we can just only give it out, but it also benefits us. So we have to understand that. It's not something you're losing. It's something you're gaining. So what happens in this instance is that what do we do with it? Um, <clears throat> so in one of my efforts to uh, encourage some of my friends, uh, I have one friend in particular who's one of the gentlest beings I know, very nice guy. And, you know, he, he doesn't come out and do stuff. Like, you know, unlike me, just run out front and make a noise in front of everybody. But <clears throat> um, so I was trying to encourage him in the Lord that what he has is he has resources. And he's very generous with them. And when we need something or I need something, I can say, hey, I need this. He said, yeah, sure, man. So that is a use of the talent, quote, that God has given you. So not necessarily have to be up here, right? The person, uh, like for instance, uh, Amber Dominguez is responsible for keeping, she's still doing that, right? Or she used to, keeping the church, yeah, okay, okay. Well, we have, people, we have people in the church who are cleaning bathrooms and cleaning the floors and stuff like that. Now, some people just aren't good at cleaning. I've seen those. Sometimes, much to my chagrin in restaurants, I'm like, I'll call them, like, somebody clean this table, please. Oh, we just did. I said, uh-huh. <clears throat> some people are just not good at math. They have to struggle at it. I'm good at making things with my hands. Somebody likes that, man, cool. How did you do that? I, said, I don't know. I just do it, you know? So everybody has something that the Lord has given us, and we have to do something. Do we bear fruit with it, with what God's given us? God plants us. He enables us to grow. And at some point, like someone says, the tree should bear fruit in due season. Otherwise, what happens? Jesus himself said, this thing is not bearing any fruit. I'll just throw it on the fire. Be done with it. Why should I waste time and energy on something that's not bearing fruit? I wouldn't do it. I mean, there's rotten tomato plants in the garden. You know, we pull them out and throw them away. Why would we feed it? It's not producing anything. It's not going to do anything. So, when God gives us the responsibility of gifts and resources, whether it's money or time or whatever it is that we have, then we are expected to produce fruit with it, not just personally get fat on it. If we do that, 
and we practice generosity, then the kingdom grows. Other people's lives are better. So, like for a simple thing, what do we need and what do we want? Most of the times we get those confused, right? Needs and wants are two different things. Excuse me. I was having a conversation with my dad one day, many years ago. I think I was a teenager, or maybe in my early 20s. And, you know, he said something to me I have never forgotten. Uh, Here's a man who lived with limited things. Four pairs of shirts, five pairs of shirts, two pants. People would give him gifts, and he wouldn't wear them because he said, I have no need for it right now. I have grown into shirts that have been sitting in his closet. I said, this is really strange, Dad. I mean, and very simple. I mean, some of you know my dad. He's very straightforward and very simple. He doesn't doesn't dress up for much. He pretty much wears the same kind of clothes no matter what he's going to. And uh, we were having a conversation, and he said, I said, Dad, you know, he said, what do you you need? So he asked me, he said, "How how much food can you eat? I said, well, till I'm full. So how many clothes can you wear? I said, you know, whatever I need. For the, if it's cold, I, you know, maybe two, three layers or whatever it is. So how much space do you need to sleep in? So about two by six, three by six spot. says, that is what you need. Everything else in life is a luxury. If daily those needs are met, then your needs are met. And everything that we do in life is some translation of food, shelter, clothing. And that's why Matthew 6 talks about, you know, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you shall wear. Your father knows you have need of these things. So we have to translate to see how are we using our time and resources pursuing the things. What is it? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We spend a good portion of what we have, all these things to be added unto us, and the kingdom after that. But if you're really honest with yourself, you'll see that all of human, generally speaking, human beings are expending time and energy and effort to produce a security and some means of livelihood. Or it's not bad. I'm not saying this is all bad. I'm saying that we expend a lot of energy without getting the equation right all the way. Right? <clears throat> so what do we do? We have life insurance, car insurance, house insurance, you know, flood insurance. The only thing we don't have is God insurance. They call it acts of God and write it off. You notice that? Everything, we lived in communities. Some are walls, some are not. We build walls, we build gates, we have security systems in our house. You know, we take self-defense classes, you know, carry permits, you know, spray, what all. Because we're trying to make sure that we're not hurt or injured by things that would cause us. There's nothing wrong with those either. But we cannot live in fear. And most of the things that we spend our time and energy and resources on are done out of sometimes. I would say a lot of people do it out of a sense of fear. What happens if I run out of money? What happens if I run out of food? What happens if this? What happens? So what do I do? I expend my time, energy, and my resources to cover all those ifs. That's what what this guy with the one talent was doing. He was working out of fear. He says, man, I could lose this money. Then what's the master going to do? But he was really lazy and fearful. Now, for a long time... You know, you, we always like to think that God's a fair God and, you know, he's just and all that kind of stuff. And it did not make any sense to me. I said, how is it fair to take from one who has less and to give the one who has more even more? You compute that in your head. We'd say the same thing, right? At least, I mean, come on, let the poor fellow have his talent. I mean, come on. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> In God's economy, 2 plus 2 very seldom makes 4. He doesn't work that way. He's got his own rules for doing things. And some of them just do not feel right. 
I'll give an example in the Old Testament. The ark of the Lord has been away, captured by the enemies and living in their Kuzor village. I don't even remember the name of the place anymore. Anyway, finally during David's time, they recover and they bring it back, right? I think I've got my stories right here. But on the way, what did they put it in? They put it in an ox cart and they bring it on the way. It starts to stumble and it's going to fall over. Guy puts his hand on it to stabilize it, kills him. He was trying to save the ark of the Lord. Why did God kill him? It does not compute. And what I learned was God had given instructions on how that ark was to be transported. And they disobeyed in how the ark was to be transported. I mean, in the wilderness, 40, I mean, that's how they toted that thing for 40 years. Pole to the rings, priest in front and the back. That's what they were told to do. No matter how long it took. Well, they could have had the guy stand in the cart, but that's the way the thing had to be carried. So the thing was that the first rule was disobeyed. That God laid down, and that is why he's, he died. Adam and Eve did the same thing. And that's why we're all suffering. Broke the first rule. So you'll find out always that God always has this basic tenet that he gives with everything that he gives us. <clears throat> and we have to be careful to obey that. Otherwise, it does not produce life. It does not produce fruit. It only produces death. That is why a lot of Christians spend so much time and energy and working hard and nothing comes of it. So it begs us, it drives us to the fact, we have to ask ourselves, why did the Lord put this in my lap? Okay, I can't sing, but man, I can do numbers. You know, I have a friend... uh, who works for Demand Construction, and he does all their bids and stuff like that. You know, they go in for those things with competition. So you have several bidders coming. He's, he's very good at his job. They end up getting a lot of contracts. My best friend's dad was like that. He was a road contractor, probably paved all the roads between here and South Mississippi. And, you know, he was so good at it. He made this company so much money. One year they gave him a Corvette as a bonus. That's how much money he made them or saved them. <clears throat> So, and he's very generous. Very generous. So what happens is that people who recognize, you know, you've heard me uh, past times when I preached you that all of us have a place in God's kingdom. Everybody. There's nobody who's exempt from that. God has all created. He has allowed us to live and to be born. It's not an accident. And he's given us a place in his kingdom. And we have. To spend time and effort and energy. Well, more important than anything else is spend time with the Lord so he can tell you what you're supposed to do with your life. And we don't spend enough time doing that. So a lot of times what happens is that, you know, I was like this. I, I say, like, say I want one of my kids to do something. I say, hey, uh, <clears throat> hey, Daniel, I need you to, uh, to go to the backyard and uh, get this for me. And I have some more instructions. By the time he hears get this for me, he runs off, you know. I'm like, uh Hey, come back here. I'm not finished yet. So a lot of us, what we do with our personal spiritual lives, this is what we do. We'll run off at the first instructions. Now, so what does Scripture say? Be still and know that I'm God. Wait patiently for the Lord, right? So there's lots of examples of Scripture that tell us that we need to spend some time before we go rushing off things and doing things. One day I was praying, and the Lord asked me, How much time do you spend praying for my stuff? And how much time do you spend praying for your stuff? See, when you're a kid, it's all about you. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm, you know, I need my clothes changed, somebody needs to give me a bath. What we're, as Christians, are not called to live in that kid's stage. We're supposed to grow at some point where... God doesn't have to, you know, give us a bath. He doesn't have to change our diapers every day. 
we should be able to do these things. But <clears throat> as we get older and, and mature in the Lord, there are things that he's going to give us to do. And so we, we have to spend some time and effort in being patient and trying to figure out where we fit in God's kingdom. Everything, you know, some, I think it was uh, James when he was talking about the Holy, you know, uh, spending time, personal time, knowing to know who the truth is, and the truth is the person of Christ. So some years back, the Lord revolutionized my, I know I'm all over the place, but it's all talking about the same stuff, <clears throat> idea of ministry. Well, for a lot of us, ministry is a product. We do this, this, and this, and it produces this. Salvations, church membership, good worship team, whatever it is. Ministry is a byproduct. It's not a product. Our first and only calling is to know the Lord and who He is. And that's our biggest act of faith. I'm not talking on the top of my head. What were Adam and Eve doing? They weren't given work to do till later. They spent a lot of time walking in the garden with the Lord. Work is a result of the curse. All the striving. You know, that's why they said, well, the ground's not going to bear fruit unless I sweat. And You know, so I'm wondering if Adam ever sweated before then. Side thing. So, what is ministry, and how does it affect what we do with the things that the Lord has given us? What I found out is that if we do not make a conscious effort to spend time with the Lord, then we do not know what he wants us to do. Jesus said, the son knows what to do because the father has shown him all the things. See, it's real easy for us, because we like that, right? Hey, do this, do this, because then we don't have to, like, expend a lot of energy. Some people don't, but a lot of people do. You know, tell me one, two, three, what to do. A lot of times when we go before the Lord, say, Lord, just, why don't you just, like, write the answer in the sky so I'm not torn between options one through ten. Things might be a lot clearer than you think. So this is the picture the Lord gave me. I am walking along a path. This is like my everyday. Say, this is what it should be. Get up in the morning. Good morning, Jesus. From the rising of the sun to the going down. You will praise the name of the Lord. We're talking. So prayer is not a thing that you do in five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, or just during a quiet time. It's a it's a thing that you do all day long. We complicate it because we think Jesus only understands King James Version. He understands this thing called help. You know, when a sheep is lost, what does it do? That's the only thing it knows to do. It knows that the shepherd is somewhere nearby. If I make enough noise, he's going to show up and rescue me out of whatever it is. So, my biggest advice to you is very deep now. After years of theological study, I come to the fact that you have to learn how to bath properly. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or wear because your Heavenly Father knows you have any of these things. There are many a time when I've just been by myself in my car, uh, you know, angry, uh, tired. And then somebody's just helpless and like, ah, I don't know what to do. I don't. And the fact of the matter is, that is true for every day. That some days we delude ourselves into thinking that we know better. So, let me get back to my story of ministry. What time did you get off? One o'clock? Well, um... So I'm walking with the Lord, 
and he showed me this as, as, a, as a scenario, you know. You know me, I'm talking visual terms. But, and so how's it going? What are you going to do today? Jesus is interested in that. So when you talk to him, he said, well, I've got these things coming up. I said, okay, I'll be with you. Translated, I'm with you till the end of the age. Don't overcomplicate it, folks. It's not just for spiritual matters that the Lord is with you. He's interested in the size of your shoe as he is in the hair that you've lost. He is. I can give you story after story after story of things that have just specifically happened. Specifically happened. <clears throat> that showed me that the Lord has cared just for me. One time, I'll finish the story, I trust the, the whole ministry thing. One time, the Lord impressed me to go to a service. I was preaching in another church. And he t- told me to take $42. It went like 50 bucks, 40 bucks, 30 bucks, or whatever money you have. I put $42 in my pocket. I don't know. And I forgot all about it. So right in the middle of my preaching, I, I was doing something like this. And I go, wait a minute, what's this in here? It's 42 bucks. So I stopped. I said, somebody in this church needs 42 bucks. I said, don't be shy. The Lord told me to do this before. I said, who is it? The guy in the back puts his hand up. So I gave him 42 bucks. I didn't hear some big rattling thing in the thing. He says, let's put $42 in your pocket. This is God speaking. It's just an impression that I couldn't get rid of. Sometimes the Lord does speak to me very clearly. It's turn left. Okay, I'm turning left. <laughs> you know? So, but we won't know what that is till we do this first thing first. So walking with the Lord, <clears throat> he's having a conversation, and then Jesus stops. And he goes, oh, see that guy over there? You know, he's, somebody just passed away in his family, and he doesn't have too many friends. He's just, like, really lonely right now. He needs somebody to come and tell him God loves him. Will you go do that for me? So I said, he said, I'll wait here. So we walk off. We do our thing. We come back. We go over there and says, well, that guy's short 200 bucks. You know, he got some 200 bucks extra this month. Give it to him. You walk down the road and they say, oh, that person really hates me because their father was really bad to them. And they think God is just out to get them. And here's what we need to do. We need to have a conversation over the next two, three months where they can see that it's not happening. That's ministry. It's a byproduct of walking with the Lord and listening to what he has to say. And he gives you things to do. And that becomes your fruit. Why am I bringing that all? Because it involves this. The thing that he has given you. What has he given you? What are, what are your talents, your resources? Maybe, he's, maybe you are the person who can. You know, I, I have some dear friends of mine out here. They're good at business and made a lot of money. But one thing you would never know by talking to them that they're, they don't act like, you know, what you think people with money would. They're very humble. I personally know that they probably give away more money than a lot of us make in a year just to support mission work. Well, they're that wealthy enough to do that. You'd never know. You'd never know it. So what does God do? He puts more into their coffers. To him who has, more will be given. Why? Because he's putting the thing that the Lord gave them and the plans that he intended for them to the proper use for which it was initially intended. <clears throat> so going along the same lines, my dad says, you know, if God gives you a larger house, have more people over. So, I mean, you don't need 24 bedrooms to sleep in. So even to this day, it bothers me, you know. And I don't have any problems with people using their wealth to do whatever they have. But in a country like the United States, there should be no poor people and no hungry people. We have more money than anybody else in the world, well, except maybe for the oil countries. There's no reason for it. Why? It's because greed and our personal sense of what I want or entitlement, if you want to call it, keeps us from being generous. The scripture tells us the exact opposite. It tells us to cast our bread upon the waters. 
So I determined a long time ago that, you know what? <clears throat> when my brother was going to college out here, you know, I was freshly working. Didn't make a lot of money. We're trying to put aside a little bit of money, you know, and then he calls, hey, man, I need a few hundred bucks. Otherwise, I'm going to go hungry. I send it to him. I can't put it in my savings account. Some people will. What I'm encouraging you is that with whatever the Lord has given you, find out its proper use by spending time in the presence of the Lord and be generous with it. More will be given. We are conduits of God's blessing. A conduit is a pipe. It has a receiving end and has a giving end. You can't clog up either end. If you clog up the receiving end, you have nothing to give. If you clog up the giving end, you become stagnant. You can't get anymore. So it flows from the Lord through us to other people, flows from them through other people, and so on and so forth. That is how it works. So what happens is that God's like, oh, man, this pipe is too small for this guy because, I mean, he's getting rid of stuff faster than I can give him. So what does he do? He gives us a bigger pipe. If you're in the flow of what the Lord's will and his blessing, you will never lack for anything in your life. But you stop up one of those ends and see how fast it stops. So that's why when the Lord asks you, sometimes when you don't, when you just got that extra hundred bucks tucked away, oh good, I was able to, I can put this in my go have a party fund. And he says, give that to somebody. Don't hesitate one second. Just do it. Just do it. I'm telling you. This, it also requires an act of faith on our part that the Lord knows. And he's going to be true to his word, right? All right. <clears throat> and sometimes we use words like, well, I can't do that. And I don't have this. And I don't, you know, I I this, I that, I that. These are all crutches that we use to escape responsibility. Life is not easy. And we're not going to be babied. If we're children of God, definitely not going to be babied. One time I was praying for strength to do something. And this is another illusion that a lot of Christians suffer under. That we have to be all prepped up and ready and all sorted out before the Lord can use us. That's never the case. As we go, the Lord's healing and his blessings come in parallel, on parallel tracks. What is 2 Corinthians, first chapter, it says is that the God of, that we comfort others, what? With the comfort that we ourselves receive from the Lord. So if we don't have it to give, we can't give it. And whatever else we're giving to people is just, is just nonsense. It's trash. It's going to ruin their lives. Don't do it. You know, when I <clears throat> speak with people and counsel people or pray with people, I'm not giving them stuff that I pulled some book off the shelf and read some lines on it and said, this will be a cool thing for you. Hey, you know what? Here. No. Jesus said that what out of us would come rivers of living water. He is the source. And he gives us that rhema to give to the people, the living water that comes out. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. Everything he gives us is for that. So I will say, you know, be bold. And the question I want to ask is that, who are you? Are you a child of God, most high, the one who spoke the world into existence? The one who said, let there be light, let there be day, let there be this, let there be that. Who are you? Do you think that he's in control of the universe? Do you think... That he's able to do exceeding abundantly more than you ask or think. Do you believe him when he says that I care for you, that I incline my ear to your cry? Do you believe him when he says you're like, you're the apple of my eye. I will hold you in the palm of my hand. Because what we do is we look at circumstances and we go, oh God, you have abandoned me. Even Jesus felt that way. This is not an unusual thing to do, but we must have faith that the God who started the work in us will be faithful to finish it. That's what Paul said. I know whom I believe, and I'm fully persuaded that he's able to do, to complete the thing that I entrusted 
So this is the enemy's trick. Well, one, two, and three worked. Four, five, and six didn't work. You know, the scores one to one. And he'll, he'll keep using these things in our life to show us that, eh, God's really not doing anything. He's just all in your head. But the very fact that we're breathing is a gift from the Lord. You know? So, if you wait till all your ducks are in a row, or till you feel you're like Holy Spirit, maturely, matured enough in the Holy Spirit to do the things of the Lord, um, you'll never get anywhere. I know this thing, that if God can use Thomas Varghese, he can use anybody. Man, I have messed up so many things in my life, it's not even funny. And the very fact that I'm able to stand before you today and say all this, that I don't know. Scripture says what? He has put this heavenly treasure in earthen vessels. Who deserves that? My own life is a miracle for me to weep over because I'm like, God, if I were you, I would have never picked me. It's the truth, folks. So I'm going to leave you with a short story. Many years ago, before I worked where I am now, I worked for another company, and I drove a company car. And it was a monster. It was a big 10-cylinder Ford 350 or something. And, you know, when you push the gas pedal, you could hear the sucking sound. (laughs) Refill. But anyway, you know, I I use it mostly for everyday work. So there's, you know, you know how it is. You feel your gas every so many weeks, every so many days. It's good you have a little routine, right? So this one lasted about three weeks. And we had an account at Dudley's Exxon, which is Hollywood and the bypass, that little on the side right before you get to the car dealerships. And I'd go in there, fill the gas, sign the tickets, and leave. Been doing it for years. And the same people, family owned that. And, you know, same people have been working then. There was one guy in there. I think he's been working there since he was, must be the owner's kid or something anyway. I've seen him for 10 years, you know. Hey, how are you doing? Fine. Everything okay? Yeah, okay. You know, we do our polite conversation and go on. So this was a period of my life when the Lord was showing me that he had given me a resource, a talent that I was not exercising, which was prayer. You know, God gives you. He's given me some prophetic gifts. He's some gifts of healing. And he's given me things to pray and to say to people at the right time. And it's changed a lot of people's lives. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying that, that that's how it works. And you were showing me that sometimes I'm waiting for the right time and circumstances to pray. And that sometimes there are never going to be right times and circumstances to pray. You know, you don't say, well, I'll pray for you. If the Lord tells you to pray for somebody in the middle of a store in a restaurant, you do it. And don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. The Lord knows I've broken so many church and state rules praying for people in my workplace. <clears throat> I don't care. So I was at this gas station filling gas. And then, you know, I come back three weeks later, I'm filling gas. And the guy's got his arm in a sling, like a, you know, everything one-handed. And he was swollen. And I said, so you know what we do. When somebody looks bad, we ask them, right? That's me. I had no intention of. I mean, he said, hey, man, what happened to your arm? He says, oh, I got the gout. I said, does it hurt? He said, yeah. I said, well, I hope it gets better. Out the door. I sat in my truck, hadn't pulled out of the driveway of that thing, and guys said, why don't you pray for his arm? 7.30 in the morning, I haven't eaten coffee yet. And some days that can be bad. I'm like. This, I mean, I was been a total Jonah that day. Total Jonah. Not a day I would have picked for a miracle. I'm like, you know, I said, I haven't even had coffee. I'm going to get to the office. 
I mean, I was just leave me alone. Took off from my truck. I got down to that Hollywood shopping center there by the car wash. I couldn't go any further. I turned the truck around, you know, come back to the thing. And now, in those days, they still had full service at that place. And there's a older lady sitting in a Cadillac getting her car filled up. I'm like, great, now I'm going to have an audience. <laughs> this is all going through my head. And the guy's filling in. He looks at me like, weren't you just here like five minutes ago getting gas? Why are you back? And then I look at the ladies looking at me through a rearview mirror. And who's the strange person walking up to my car? And I'm like, I mean, I can see all this stuff going on. I said, hey, man, uh, can I pray for your arm? And he goes, what? I said, can I pray for your arm? He says, yeah, sure. So he finished the thing up and he holds his arm out. This is what I prayed. The Lord, you told me to come back and pray for this guy's arm. I don't know what you want to do, but I pray that you heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. Got in my truck and left. Now you tell me if that sounded like, sounded like a prayer of faith to you or whether it was a full of the Holy Spirit, you know, when we get into all this hype situation and a God doesn't work yet. Forgotten all about it. Three weeks later, it's time for me to fill my gas. I come back out again. I'm signing my ticket and leave. I really have forgotten all about it. You know, because this is just a routine thing. I'm about to walk out the door, and the guy stops me. He says, hey, man, I don't know what you did, but my arm got better. You know what I did? I went to my truck and cried for the next 30 minutes because I said, Lord, how is it possible that me, being such a crappy person that day, even saying I'm not going to do it, and then coming back because I know that I have to listen and did it with the Really a bad attitude. How did you use that? I don't know, guys. All I know is that God gives you a thing to do with the resources and stuff that you have, and you better be doing it. You better be doing it because that's what we're about. That's the story about the talents is about. It's not about the one guy who was thrown out. It's about what we do with what the Lord has given us. That he expects us to do more with what he's given us. That he expects us to increase. You know, he, this, the story of the guy with ten talents getting more is not one of unfairness. It is one of being rewarded for doing what the Lord called him to do. And for that, he was blessed. So think about it this week. You have an opportunity. So you say, well, man, I don't hear from you like God speaks to you like with big words. I said, no, it might be just a nudge. It might be just some urgency. You can't get rid of a feeling about something in some place. I have that happen a lot. You know, I mean, getting ready to leave, go somewhere, we're eating somewhere, and the Lord says, pray for that guy who's been waiting on you. He needs to know that he's loved. I have this happen. The thing is that once it starts happening, you don't have to look for this stuff. You know, you don't have to go, okay, who can I zap now with my heavenly talents? No need for it. If you walk with the Lord, the Lord will bring whatever he is. The work, what is of the spirit, of the spirit, what is of the flesh, is of the flesh. Jesus said, what, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's not going to complicate these things for us. Amen? You guys encouraged? God reminds us he loves us, right? And he reminds us we're not poor. He's given us. Like I said, the size doesn't matter. And, you know, as a matter of fact, the very last thing he told the guy, said, the least thing you could have done was put it in the bank instead of the hole. If he had been not so lazy, he would have come to that conclusion himself. But he lived out of fear and all laziness because he said, oh, man, because of the the prospect of losing something scared him so much. And, and then initially, you know, he just didn't want to do anything. That he lost everything that he had. So it doesn't matter. What he's telling us that if you had at least put it in the bank, I'd still have been happy with you. Because it made a little interest for me. But if you're like the guy, you know, the other two guys, whatever you, whatever you do, God's going to take it. He's going he's, to multiply it for him. He blesses you with it. So go in the boldness. Knowing that just God said, I'm going to be with you. I'm always with you. The Holy Spirit is there what to lead us into all manner of truth. Seek his counsel. Don't be in a hurry. Seek his counsel and he will make things clear to you. 
It may be a loud voice. It may be a circumstance. You suddenly find out that, oh, man, I can't do anything else but this. Well, that's okay, too. Just do it. Be bold in the Lord. He has given us not a spirit of fear, but of what? Love, power, yeah. And the sound mind and a spirit of boldness, right? So Peter, the guy who denied Christ, and his buddies go out and preach like drunken folks and 3,000 people added to the church. Now, how does that make any sense? Two plus two does not always make four. That's how God works. He has his own ways. My ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. And we have to trust that what the Lord gives us is good and right, and it will produce fruit. And go forth and do it. Don't worry about messing up. It's okay. As one of my friends says, God has calculated our stupidity into his sovereignty. <clears throat> he has. Trust me. I know from experience. <laughs> well, let me pray real brief, and then we'll <laughs> I'll be done. Father, I just thank you, and I praise you. Because, Lord, we don't know what we're doing half the time. Truth be known, we don't know what we're doing most of the time. We think we do. And, Lord, I pray that you would encourage each of us to walk with you and to look at the things that you've given us, especially in these times when we're compressed and can't do a lot of things, to evaluate the resources and the time that you've given us. So to see, what, did, what, what would you have me do with this, Lord? And, Lord, just to be honest about it, and not to be afraid to do it and to commit everything into your hands knowing that you have plans for good for us and not for evil. So we bless you and we thank you, Lord. Lord, may your word take root and bear fruit in people's lives. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.